Welcome back to True Reviews Podcast, episode 203. I'm your host, True Justice, and we're going to talk about some movies, some fights, and Yellowstone. That's my main focus today. Um, how the fuck y'all been? I hope it's been good. Um, been uh, real busy at work lately, but I've been on a movie kick. I had added uh, 18 movies to my watch list. I remember <laughs> my guy Peasy said, uh, that's like a decade's worth of movies to watch. And I was like, I'll finish them before the weekend. I didn't quite make it through all of them. I, I think I got through six of them because there were so many fights on Saturday. Uh, but I had a really good weekend. Lots of fun. And uh, watched some interesting movies. And then, of course, fucking Yellowstone. Um, season five, two-episode premiere was on Sunday. And that was uh, super epic. But I, I have I have some issues with their platform of that, which I'll talk about um in a minute actually i'll just kick it off with yellowstone because that that was uh when i found out it was coming back i was super excited the show if you haven't seen it you should definitely check it out if you're into in the tv drama um western style um even organized crime drama like it's 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 a phenomenal show just incredible well acted well produced um kevin costner's uh just a fucking og in this shit and uh me and my wife caught up on it pretty quick. I think it was season three, maybe even season four, that we finally um, really got introduced to it, and we flew through it pretty fast. But it's a, it's a Paramount original show. Paramount has a streaming platform. Peacock apparently bought the rights to it, and Peacock has a streaming platform, of course, through NBC. Yet Yellowstone doesn't air on either of those streamings, so, and it's just really annoying. So we found our way around it. I'm not going to let anybody know what it is on here. But uh, fuck whoever came up with that concept. It's just bullshit. Um, you know, we bought both of the fucking platforms that you are paid through for and you don't air your own shit on there. Fucking assholes. Um, but we watched it. We found our way and uh, we watched or my wife probably fell asleep through halfway through episode one. I finished them both. And oh, man, very exciting shit. Um you're seeing uh, the Dutton, John Dutton has become the governor of Montana, and he's definitely ruffling some feathers. Um, it's, it's pretty cool to see. You know, we, we live in a world with politics where everything's about progress and change, and he's the exact opposite, trying to preserve the land um, at, by, all, by all means. And he's, you know, it's, it's interesting watching how he does things and the reason why. And, yes, it's a TV show, but it's, it's really good, really well done, very interesting stuff. And I'm super excited. This episode is going to be 14 episodes, which I believe is the longest season they've had so far. Weekly releases. So um, I'm excited. I'm sure y'all are because the Internet was on fire. That's how I even heard of this show over the last few years. But I don't have Facebook anymore. So that's all everybody was talking about was Yellowstone. So if you haven't caught up, two episode premiere, two episodes are available now. Um, and it, it, from what I read, it won't be on Peacock until like months after the season finale of the season, but I, I ain't fucking waiting. So I'm going to keep utilizing my resource to watch it ahead of time. Uh, let's talk about some movies. Um, I had, let me see how many I watched. I watched uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine movies this last weekend, which was pretty good. So I'll kick it off with uh, a movie called Breaking. Breaking, uh, we rented this on Apple, and it is uh, a movie about a guy who, uh, 
a veteran who did not receive the remainder of his uh, his money from the VA that he was entitled to, and he just kind of loses his shit. So he goes and holds up a bank, and he doesn't want the bank's money. He wants the attention. He wants to tell his story on how the VA owes him his money, but he threatens to uh, blow himself up and everybody in the bank if he does not get what he is owed. And it, it had a lot of vibes that reminded me of John Q or Fruitvale Station. If you haven't seen those, you're really slacking. Those are incredible flicks. Fruitvale Station is based on a true story. Michael B. Jordan killed that role. Um, just incredible story. Tragic as fuck. Um, John Q, of course, Denzel Washington, one of his greatest performances ever. Uh, just, just the story of a man who... Um, I don't know, because both of those are different stories, so they gave me different vibes, but in the sense where a man is at his end wits for good reason and is trying to figure out the system and how the system worked against them, um, and just that's that's really the vibe. It's just the system is flawed, and people don't need to lose their lives for these reasons kind of thing. So wonderfully acted. Um, it was filmed beautifully. Uh, I would have enjoyed a little bit more of the backstory on breaking as it, it says it's based on a true story. Um, it took off quickly and ended abruptly with like little closure. That was my real issue. Had some missing key elements to, you know, capture the depth of the issue in my opinion, cause it is a serious issue that I'm sure a lot of veterans are going through. Uh, but I gave it a four out of five. So, uh, a wonderful watch from, uh, from my perspective. And then here's a movie that I have been so excited to talk about. It's called the lobster. And this is not a new one. I believe, um, showtime. If you have showtime, you can watch this um, for free. It's uh, part of the a 24 production companies. Like they released a whole bunch of their movies to showtime. This movie's from 2015 or 2016. I'll start off right away. I gave it a 4.5 out of five and I damn near gave it a perfect score because it was incredible it, it gave me vibes of like the hunt and like stranger than fiction if you're familiar with those flicks but it's not those it's very different it's so dope it's essentially a resort setting where people go to find a partner and if they fail within the allowed time which is 45 days they are turned into an animal of their choice and released into the woods and it sounds weird. I read this story or the, the, like the description many times. And I was just like, that sounds so dumb. Like, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about it. So finally I was like, I just got to check this out. Cause I keep seeing it pop up on things. And it's, you know, anyone after the 45 days exceeds, you know, the animal situation comes up. Well, who wants to really be in their life and be turned into an animal, you know? So they, they run. And so anyone who runs, they could be hunted by the others who are staying in the resort they are, they all have a, a tranquilizer dart or a tranquilizer gun with 20 darts in the room. And whenever somebody runs an alarm will go off or they could just go hunting every day. And whoever, however many people you catch, you get an extra day per runner that you catch. So somebody on the resort has caught 192 people. So they have that in addition to their 45 days. And that's how long they have to find a partner. And just something just about the like ridiculous pressure to find companionship, you know, that's what this movie's focus is, you know, clinging to the most petty similarities and fear of being alone and the inability to let others be happy by themselves when you're not, when you, you know, when you can't find someone live and let live, right? That's, 
That's really it, but not in this. It's all about if you can't find companionship in a partner, you don't get to walk amongst us. And there's a lot of dark humor, but to me, it is a fucking masterpiece. The Lobster, please check that one out. If you have any interest in our and just society's issues with and pressures of finding love. Like, and if you've ever been in a relationship where you were like, the, you found the smaller, a lot of people could see it in others rather than themselves, especially in the moment. You know, our hindsight is much better, you know, 2020, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if you know anybody, you're like, God, why are they even with each other still? Why are they still together? Why'd they even get with them for these little petty things, whether it was a sexual attraction or a way they looked in a shirt or pants or the job that they had, just these little things that we cling on to. And then you pay attention to other people who find these little things on why they don't want to be with somebody. That's what this movie's attacking. It's exposing all that idiocracy that we have in our society. And we put that pressure on ourselves and others to, with the expectation that you have to find love for, to be, to be alive. And there's a group out there in the movie that want to be solo. They, they just want to be loners and, that should be okay. <laughs> but in this world, it's not. So uh, awesome movie. Just a masterpiece. The Lobster. Check that out on Showtime. Uh, the other movie I watched was my daughter's pick. My 10-year-old daughter picked The Silence. It's on Netflix. And uh, she had texted me about this because she uh, she said it looked like a phone. And she's, I've talked about her quite often on the show now. She's into these scary movies. Um, but not. she can't get too scary with it yet. So she's you know making her way up the ladder well this one she she found on her own so I, I definitely had to had to give it a chance with her and give it a watch uh, i'll start off i gave this a three out of five um all the reviews are correct it has quiet place written all over it um what is the ongoing joke it's like a quiet place that you got off wish that's that's what this movie is essentially like um i won't be as harsh as i've seen the reviews on this flick you know but yes it is quite obvious that they ripped off the concept from an all too familiar and successful movie series called the quiet place. It even seemed to be a master of thievery in some other films as well. Um, my, my daughter picked out like eight or nine. I didn't see quite that many, but, um, I actually found it enjoyable. I really did. Um, if you remove the fact that they had zero originality throughout the entire film and get past the awkward slow motion conclusion that they had for their dramatic scene to end it, it was actually a fairly decent film. It was it was fun, but yeah, if you're watching it and thinking like, oh, this is gonna be an original story, you know, it's not. It's it's something we've seen done and we've seen it done way better. But it's decent. Three out of five for me. You can check that on Netflix. Now, uh, here's a movie I was also excited to talk about because it was so goddamn sad, but it was so good. It's called The Florida Project. And this is also a part of A24's on Showtime. Um, so you could stream it on there for free as well. Um I don't know if I mentioned this, four out of five for me. Another one that was damn near perfect. Um, there were just some some parts where it's like it's it's not a perfect movie, but it's so goddamn good. It follows a um, a hotel manager in Florida um, near Disney World. I'm I'm assuming, and it's also simultaneously following one specific woman, young woman, and her daughter who live in the the hotel or motel, whatever it's called. Um, and you know, it, they, such a strange kind of movie, not something you always see. And that's what I really enjoy about the A24 productions is they, they, they have this ability of, uh, finding stories that, and I don't know if, if 
they're just uh, really good at selecting or if they like to take chances that other companies are not, but they just, they deliver these, these films of things that look like they're really happening, like real life shit. Some of them are weird. Some of them are amazing, you know, but they, they do shit that other people don't seem to do. And in this one, Willem Dafoe is uh, the hotel manager. I'm just going to keep calling it hotel. That's easier for me. Um, and this, and he he did an absolutely incredible job. Willem Dafoe has done some great movies over his career. This is one of my favorite performances I've ever seen him do. He just he captivated this character so beautifully on being uh, you know concerned about his job, taking a lot of pride in his job in this hotel, but also having to having to like lay the law down on some of the rules and expectations of the hotel, you know, collecting the rent every week, dealing with everybody's sob stories, dealing with the kids running around, um, the perverts that prey on the kids that are looking to come onto the scene, all this shit, um, the cleaning, the bed bugs, the evictions, all this shit. And of course the story it follows with the young woman and her daughter, it is, it's such a tragic thing to watch. It's one of the saddest movies I've ever seen. It's heartwarming and heartbreaking all at the same time. Incredible performances from everyone involved, especially the little girl. Shout out to her. She killed this shit. Um, incredible script. Powerful from the start to finish. It really is. And for me, it's it's one of those things without spoiling too much. It's like you're, you're almost watching this movie the whole time with the, the parenting of everybody and thinking like, you shouldn't have these kids. Um, God, they need some real guidance. Like what the fuck do these kids have any accountability at all? And it's summer break at the hotel. So, you know, these parents are, they're living out of a hotel. So it's safe to say that most of them, um, you know, are struggling a little bit. They're trying to, you know, have some stability in their own lives. So you hold that into account and then you think, okay, now it's summer break. Uh, most of them are single parents in there. You're not seeing a lot of couples in there. And so they're, they're trying to maintain, you know, bills and they're, they're parenting. Some of them are raising their grandkids, all this different shit. But these little kids, they're running around wild around the hotel grounds, all up and down the little strip of the area. And, and they're bored, they're bored and their parents aren't really very involved because they got to do their own hustles to pay their weekly rent on the hotel so that they have a, a roof to stay and it's just it's phenomenal but it it damn near made me cry like five times the florida project on showtime check that out four out of five for me and then uh another one i checked out was uh me earl and the dying girl i had never heard of this movie until um about a month ago when i started doing uh the newbie app with movie trivia and I kept seeing this pop up um, in, in different uh, genres. And I was like, man, this seems to be a popular flick. So I finally checked out the preview and it, it looked really good. And I'll say it wasn't quite as good as I was expecting um, from the preview, but it was a very good movie. I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. I had ended up renting this one on Apple. I couldn't find it for free anywhere, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure you'll be able to if you have that that fire stick or whatever it is. But uh, it's a great story. R.J. Uh, Seiler is the one who stole the show for me. Um, did an incredible job. Um, he plays Earl, just a great character. Um, just he owned that shit, and he wasn't the main character. He was like the uh, I don't remember what they would call it the. Uh, the, the second man or whatever, you know, the, he's the, he's the best friend of the main character. And um, I love the concept. I thought it was really good. I felt some, some of it was poorly executed. It could have been done a little bit better, but I thought the story itself was just great. I really loved it. It's about uh, a kid who um, is told by his mom 
that a girl in his grade is, has cancer and it's not looking good and it would be really good of him to go over and spend some time with her. And he's explaining, he's like, mom, we're not even friends. Like we're just, I just know who she is. Like that'd be weird. And she's like, she pressures him into doing it. So he goes over and her mom's a drunk, <laughs> like she's not like a um, miserable one, but like one of those happy drunks that's really oblivious to what's going on. And it could be because her daughter has cancer. You know, that might be the reason you don't get to see the before, um, before a story of that, but she's all excited. He's there and he goes up and the girl um, who has cancer, you know, she's kind of like, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, have a pity hangout or a pity friend. And he's like, I don't pity you. I'm just here. Cause my mom made me like, can you please just let me hang out with you for the day? So I could tell her that I did. And she's like, so you want me to do you a favor? <laughs> And I have cancer. And he's like, yes, please. And so, but they end up developing a friendship and he spends a lot of time with her. And so it, it all sparked off of that, that pressure of have to, but it, it turned into a journey of want to. And it was really cool seeing, um, his, uh, his best friend Earl get involved because, uh, she ends up finding out that him and Earl make really cheap, low budget, dumb movies together and they don't allow anybody else to watch them. Well, they start to allow her to watch them and she falls in love with their movies and all this stuff. And then it turns into her cancer taking a turn for the worse. And then the pressure of making a movie for her before she dies. And, uh, just a really cool, cool movie, not necessarily a love story. It's a movie about friendship. It's a movie about, um, moral support, uh, peer pressures and expectations. And I I'd say balancing, um, the now and the future, it's, it's a really good story. 3.5 out of 5 for me, me, Earl, and the, the dying girl. Uh, another movie I checked out that I'd been seeing and hearing about for so long, but I didn't actually know what it was about. I actually saw this in my movie trivia as well, and it kept popping up under the horror section, which I didn't get from the poster, which I was so confused. Midsommar, um, starring Florence uh, Pugh. And I didn't pay much attention to Florence Pugh until... Uh, don't worry, darling. I thought she did an incredible job in that. And I was like, I know I've heard the name. I know she's done other things. So I decided to look into her uh, catalog a little bit more. Saw this and I was like, oh, man. And I read the description. And I was like, oh, that doesn't even sound very interesting. But it's also an A24 film. And I was like, I'm going to check this shit out. So also you could check this out on Showtime. Uh, started off 3.5 out of 5 for me. Uh, it is about a young woman who is... Um, clearly dealing with some mental health issues because her sister who she seems to want to be close to is dealing with a lot of stuff. I don't know if it was bipolar or what, but she's constantly making comments that make her worry. Um, that makes it sound like she's going to hurt herself. Well, she ends up saying one thing that makes it seem like she's going to kill herself and her parent, their parents. And she gets really worried, calls her boyfriend who's with his boys and they're in college and his boys, you know, are talking to him like, like, you know, why do you deal with this girl? You don't even love her. Like, you've been wanting to break up with her forever, but he clearly feels the pressure of staying with her because he doesn't want to be another check mark of bad news in her life, it seems like. So he tries to be there for her, but you could see throughout the movie he's getting sick of her shit. But all of her shit is pretty justified, you know, but it takes you back to that mind state of, does that mean you have to deal with it? Does that mean you have to stick with it? Because you, you know, just because it's justified doesn't mean you have to justify being the one that, they're leaning on all the time. We, we need to take our own paths. But she finds out he's going on a trip to Sweden um, with uh, one of their classmates who is from Sweden. Uh, and they're having this midsummer um, event, essentially. 
and they're going to go to work on their thesis over there. Well, he feels bad leaving her behind because her parents actually do end up dying. Her sister dies and she's, she's all alone. She, you know, so he invites her and he doesn't think she'll actually go, but she ends up going and they, they, they arrive on this, uh, this commune, essentially very small community. They all wear their homemade clothing and do these interesting rituals and things start turning, uh, very dark for them as Americans, not being familiar with what this is, not being accustomed to their rituals because the big thing in this movie, in this community is they believe in life as uh, seasonal. So uh, from birth to 18 years old is a, a season of your life from 18 to 36 is another season from 36 to 54 is another season. And from 54 to 72 is your final season. And so they of course ask the question, what happens at 72? And they don't really give you the answer but, you know, it's clear as the the viewer of the movie, you're like, that's when their life ends. But how does it end? And then when it starts showing that, of course, they start having some real trouble with where they are. And there's their rules and everything like that. They're finding it that they may be trapped here. There's no escape from it. They're being pulled into this community and maybe they don't want to be there. So that's what turned it into a horror movie. Uh, very disturbing. Uh, it's very long. Um, unsettling from the start to finish you just always feel like something's wrong and I like those movies because um, that's just how life feels sometimes you get to see it from you know put an image to some of the stuff and uh, yeah it's on Showtime check it out if you're into horror movies for sure but beware it is very long um, I think it was like two hours and 30 minutes something like that and it's not like Avengers infinity war long where it's like all this incredible stuff captivating you the entire time it's it's slow and slow building and developing but i think it all i think it all mattered i wouldn't recommend cutting any of it it was all important to the story uh the next movie i checked out was uh confess fletch or it's fetch confess i'm pretty sure it's confess fletch yeah um starring john ham i had uh seen a couple posters for this and I um, saw one preview I think and I realized okay it's it's a murder mystery um, looks kind of looks kind of corny a little funny uh, I'll check it out and it was a fun movie I gave it a 3.5 out of 5 I ended up seeing that on HBO or Showtime I can't recall which one it was I do remember I did not pay for it um, it's it's a fun flick it's it's kind of what you expect I think I talked about a murder mystery recently on an episode and it's the same thing if you're into that shit, you'll enjoy it. This one was very sarcastic, um, very subtle, um, dry humor. Um, but yeah, it was fun. Nothing, nothing I'd brag about too heavy, but I gave it a 3.5 just because it, it hit what it was supposed to hit from my end. Uh, just nothing phenomenal. Nothing that's going to stick in my head. Like that was amazing. And they, they kind of left it open. Like there might be a sequel in the future, which I probably would watch. I'd check it out. Uh, another movie I checked out, another horror film, was called It Comes at Night. Now, this is another A24 film. Um, 3.5 out of 5 for me. It, it follows a, um, a, a family that's in uh, kind of like an isolation. You, you don't really know what's going on, and that's kind of what I liked about this one. Um, you don't know why the world is shut down. You don't know why... If there's a sickness, if there's a monster, if there's a, a pack of, you know, loose wolves that's killing, you just don't know what's going on. They just refer to it as sick. So they can't be around people and they can't go out at night. All these different things come into play and it really just follows the family in their house and their lockdown procedures. And then uh, a man ends up trying to get into the house because he thinks it's empty 
and they end up joining forces when he they deem him safe and him him and his family to be safe and they're like we'll we'll be stronger together and it you know just goes into this whole lifestyle of um, trust it's it's a very good movie um, we've seen many stories about the end of the world variations and this one did a great job at keeping it simple and interesting you know the balance of human operations from love and fear trust and survival um, you know it just makes you think you know all these different things we have these fears instilled in us all the time of what could occur what could happen what would we do here and this was one of those movies like I say 24 they have a great way of just making it seem real and leaving it up to the imagination, you don't know what was out there. You just know that some there was a threat out there, and what would you do? And I like that it didn't follow too many people. It just kept it real simple with this one family who runs into one other family and just the the ongoing threats of things. Because uh, the movie I talked about earlier, the uh, the silence that I watched with my daughter, that's a lot like what this was. But in the silence, they show you what the threat is. Um, but they they follow that one family. Um, so the final one that, uh, this is not a new movie. Uh, it's also from 2000, I think it's 2014, actually, uh, life of crime. And this was starring, uh, sorry, I got to sneeze. I'm holding it. Um, it's starring Jennifer Aniston, uh, Isla Fisher, Will Forte, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins is a fucking gangster. Um, uh, and I, I just kind of saw the cast on this one. I was like, it's on HBO for free, and I saw the cast, and I was like, "I'll check this out." Um, didn't didn't know anything about what it was. I just thought I'll, I'll I'll roll the dice on it. Oh, excuse me. I give it a three out of five. It's it's interesting. It's not great. It's um. This one follows a a kidnapping for a um a ransom of a rich man's wife, and people are trying to you know extort money from him, and it. it Oh, most Def is also in that movie. Most I, I wanted to highlight that because I think most Def is one of the dopest actors um, when it comes to a rapper turned actor. He he just always does a phenomenal job. This wasn't his best role, but he, but he's always good and a pleasure to see on the screen. But it, this felt like Pulp Fiction like styles telling of a story to me, and you know it's no secret I'm not a fan of Pulp Fiction. I don't like that form of storytelling where it's just weird and doesn't make sense. Um, it had some interesting moments, but as a whole, it felt more like a random episode in the middle of like a TV dramedy series. So it didn't feel like a complete piece of art to me. It felt like, uh, like I said, like something that you pulled out of the middle of a season and you're just watching a piece of it. And, you know, a lot of movies are like that. This one just felt more obvious to me where it's like, there's, I don't know, just, and it seemed like it was meant to be more fun, kind of like the Confess Fletch like uh foundation where it's it's not to be taken too seriously it's a fun flick so i gave it a three out of five because i felt like that's what they're aiming for but it was nothing i'll i'll carry with me forever that wraps up the movies that i've been watching um haven't haven't been on too much tv lately yellowstone was the big thing for me um and i'll talk about some fights and we'll close out with the the daily laws by robert green catch up on those uh this was a heavy weekend for fights uh, I'll start off with the lamest one, which was Floyd Mayweather had his exhibition match, which he won, of course, his own pay-per-view. I don't know who the fuck is paying for Mayweather ex exhibition match pay-per-views, but you're out of your fucking mind. Um, he won by TKO, I read. Big surprise. I think Tommy Fury either fought on that card or he was supposed to. I heard he weighed in like six or seven pounds over. I don't know why we keep 
giving this guy any publicity. Jake Paul's keeping him relevant. He just called him out again, saying that he wants to fight in February. He'll give him seven days to sign a contract, or else he's moving on forever. I think he's already said he's going to move on forever, but continues to do it. There was a top rank um, card on ESPN, which I, I did not catch much of that because I only had two screens in the living room and I was focused more on the other DAZN card and uh, the UFC pay-per-view, which was my main focus this weekend. But uh, shout out to Seniessa. Um, she, uh, I kept seeing her online of this comeback she was having and she came back, she won, maintained her belt, it looked like. And then I, uh, Janabek and Bentley, I believe Bentley won that fight. I did not catch much of it. I turned it on, but the UFC was still going, so I wasn't paying too much of attention to it. Didn't see any of the undercard. Uh, Montana Love versus Spark. This is the I I had all of the undercards on this. There was two, maybe three, zone cards on this weekend. I had the wrong one on for a while, but like I said, I was really focused on UFC, so I wasn't paying too much attention. But I was excited to see Montana Love in action. Now this fight, I I missed so much of the ins and outs of how it was going because of the ufc card but i did not miss the conclusion all of a sudden montana love lost this fight his first loss on his record because of a disqualification he uh he picked spark up and carried him and threw him over the top ring top rope of the ring like a fucking royal rumble match in wwf it was absurd and i believe i like i said i wasn't watching the fight too i believe it was probably out of frustration because he was losing so I don't know what was going on so much, but, you know, he got caught up, which we see many fighters, you know, they'll duck and their arm or their head will get caught under their arm and they'll they'll hold there. And every once in a while, the fighter will get frustrated and lift the fighter up. And, you know, you're not supposed to do that shit. Definitely not supposed to tackle him down. You see these things happen on occasion. Montana looks pretty young. He's fresh. Um, he's been he's been impressive. Um, but my issue with him has been he's been kind of like uh, acting like he's too he's, he's just ahead of his time with his ego. Like, yeah, he's looking good, but he's still got a lot of ways to go. And this was uh, not a good uh, showing of his self-control and composure. So out of frustration, he looked like he picked him up, drove him over to the ropes, and intentionally wanted to throw his ass out of the ring. So Spark went over the ropes, ended up that way, and they called a disqualification. So Spark gets the win. Montana Love gets his first official loss on his record. And then, of course, the UFC pay-per-view, UFC 281, this was a this was an awesome card. the uh, The main event was uh, all finishes, no judges needed, so easy payday for them. Um, I I did watch all of the undercard. The one thing I really wanted to focus on was uh, Dominic Reyes. I picked Span to win this, and my guy Mike was watching the card. He he pointed out, he's like, "Wait, you just gave up on Reyes?" Because Reyes, many people don't know. I I had thought Dominic Reyes was gonna dominate the light heavyweight division once John Jones left. I thought Reyes was going to own everybody. I thought he was a different breed, and I was wrong. Holy fucking shit, I was wrong. And so I completely gave up hope on him on his last fight. Uh, he's just been losing, 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 and I don't know what happened to him. I, I don't know. John Jones was commenting on uh, social media about it because people were saying uh, because of John Jones uh, beating him, he lost all of his confidence, all this stuff, but... John Jones fired back and said, I didn't steal his confidence because he thought he beat me. You know, he's beating himself now. But Span got the victory. looked great. And then uh, I'm going to I'm just going to move over to the main card because it was it was a phenomenal fucking main card. Just a great fight night in general. Um, actually, I should shout out Trezano. Trezano had a hell of a knockout in that uh, undercard as well. 
Um, God, honestly, if you have, if you haven't seen that card, it's definitely worth a rewatch from the beginning to the end. It was just a fun ass card. Uh, Dan Hooker, aka Big Peasy, um, ended up uh, getting the victory, and which was not not easily earned. Uh, Mister Puelis or whatever his name is, he just he was Ryan hauling it all over the mat, just rolling, 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 grabbing his ankles, and uh, Dan Hooker finally got the best of him. Thank God, because I, I don't know. You got I appreciate the strategy. I appreciate martial arts in all of its forms. But when all you're going to do is roll around on the ground and try to bite their ankles, you know, I, I always support the, the one who finally stomps on the cockroach. And Dan Hooker got him. Uh, Frankie Edgar versus Gutierrez. That was tragic. Frankie Edgar's retirement fight. He announced it. Big supporting crowd. They're fighting in New York, and he's from Jersey. And uh, I didn't know that my Mike told me about that. And uh you know, it's 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 different. You always Frankie Edgar's a legend. You know, you're you're hoping that he's going to go out um, with a victory or at least you know go the whole way, put up a good fight. He got he got knocked out pretty bad, pretty quickly too. So that was a that was a sad ending to his tale. But we're all wishing him the best. And then we move on to Poirier versus Chandler, which I was super stoked for this. I'll, I'll say this now: my my top three picks for the card. I picked Chandler, I picked Zhang, and I picked Bahada. I thought that was going to be my uh, my parlay and. Chandler, uh, by by no means of lack of heart, God, that guy, guy's a soldier, uh, ended up uh, losing. Poirier got the best of him. And people were talking about fight of the year, fight of the night. I don't think it was quite there, but it was amazing. You know, I, I was hoping it was going to be a five-rounder, but Poirier didn't need five rounds to finish it. Chandler is just, uh, I think his biggest flaw is he doesn't know how to step back and gather himself and actually strat- strategize. He just wants to go in there and bang, which is an awesome Awesome for the entertainment purposes, for the fans. He's going to be a fan favorite. Want to keep seeing him fight, but I want him to last. You know, I want him to continue on. I want him to get um, get back to the top. And I don't think he's got to worry too much because he's uh, putting on such incredible shows, and he can he can run with the best of them still. Poirier is no um, no slouch, so that was you know no uh, shame in that loss at all. But I want to see Chandler get back in there. I'd love to see Chandler versus McGregor. I think that would be great, but. Uh, I don't know what McGregor's really doing besides posting on social media. Like, we'll see. And we got Esparza versus Zhang. I didn't think Esparza had a chance in this one. She just didn't show much in her victory against Rose. That was one of the weakest fights in UFC history when she won that belt. Not to take away from her getting the belt, but um, it just... It was not impressive, and Zhang is a different breed, and Zhang looked focused from the moment she got in that octagon. She looked focused like she, she had it. She got her belt back, um, and I think uh, I think the follow-up with, I don't know who it'll be. If it'll be a Sparza rematch, it'll be Rose. What we're going to see there, that uh, that that weight class is, uh, there's not a whole lot of to, to really look forward to. They're just so small. You know, and nothing against them. There's just it's hard to get a lot of competition when you get in that lower, lower weight class for men and women. And then the main events: Israel Adesanya versus Alex Bejeda. This was this was an incredible build-up, genius. It felt like a fucking uh, plotted, planned uh, movie execution. I saw somebody online talk about you know this is like the um, the uh, Avengers Endgame. If there was ever a build up to a conclusion of a of a battle or a beef, um, Pajeda has beat Izzy in kickboxing, and uh, Adesanya only has that one loss in the in MMA, and it was to uh, somebody in the light heavyweight division. Jan Blockovich, when he went up to uh, a weight class, you know, took a chance on himself, just like Canelo did, and you know nobody nobody faults him for that. And he just really okay, you know, you you went up, you tried. 
Um, and Adesanya looked like he had this in the bag. He did. He was. I didn't even have Pajeda up around at all. I had all the rounds for Adesanya. Um, and it, it was kind of tragic because this is kind of what happened with Usman. He had the he had the fight in the bag, and then he got caught. And this is what happened with Adesanya, except Adesanya didn't get caught, and the lights didn't go out. He was just stumbling. It looked like he was taking some significant damage. It looked like he was about to get dropped and go out, but it was stopped before we can get that real solid conclusion. But Adesanya did lose his belt. Pajeda is the new champion in that division. And uh, I'm sure Adesanya will get a rematch um, first before anybody else gets a shot because he's definitely earned that. He ran that division for a long time. But Pajeda's a dangerous man. Like, he is. Like he's... Adesanya's calculated differently. He's uh, fast. He's very strategic. And I do believe he fights better when he has higher competition. So when he's really getting challenged and pushed back, I think that's when we see the best Izzy. Um, Pajeda's just a tough son of a bitch. And he's clearly Adesanya's kryptonite. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that rematch to see what kind of adjustments Adesanya makes. And it was a different different kind of fight for Adesanya because he didn't come out um, with like the fashy showmanship and the dances and the lights and all that. He just walked straight out. So, you know, he was I th I felt like he looked nervous. Like I, Mike thought he just looked focused and ready. Um, and but, yeah, it's just it's kind of a shame. You know, I, you like to see some belt exchanges, but sometimes you're just like, damn, it just it sucks. He just that. That's the one guy that's really getting the best of him, and it's it's incredible drama that uh, that's sucking us all in. So I'm looking forward to that rematch. And then upcoming fights, uh, nothing I haven't talked about before. Um, I'm seeing Canelo picked uh, uh, David Benavidez. He believes he will beat Caleb Plant, which will mean David Benavidez will fight Canelo um, after that. I'm, I'm so excited for some of these boxing matches that have been announced. Um I think they said uh, Esau Cruz is supposed to fight Shakur Stevenson. Esau's father saying that they're not interested in that. They want to fight Lomachenko instead. I think that would be dumb. Fucking, I want to see Shakur and I want to see Esau. I think that would be great. Ryan Garcia and Javante Davis are still, you know, doing their chirping back and forth. Really hoping they sign that shit. Um, of course, Benavidez and Plant. That's phenomenal. Um, they, they announced Deontay Wilder versus Andy Ruiz. I'm super excited for that shit. I don't think Ruiz has a fucking chance in hell, but nobody's ever thought he had a chance in hell <laughs> ever. So, um, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Somebody mentioned be like, ah, oh, that means we get Fury Wilder four. <laughs> I'm like, fuck yeah. Sign me the fuck up for that shit. Cause that last fight was phenomenal. It was one of the most entertaining heavyweight matches of all time. Um, especially of modern time for sure. But that shit was better than Tyson Fury versus, uh, um, Klitschko. That shit was better than Anthony Joshua versus Klitschko. That was, that was an incredible fight. The first one we know went down with that last minute knockout where Tyson Fury got the long count and rose from the dead. They thought Fury won. He probably did, but I'm not mad at the draw because Wilder, Wilder knocked him the fuck out. And that second one, just Fury just dominated the fuck out of Wilder and Wilder made adjustments and came back and looked so much better in that third fight. So yeah, I think if he earns his way back the way he's doing, um, he definitely deserves that fourth fight. And I, I signed me the fuck up for that. All right, that, that concludes the fight discussion. I'll close it out with the daily laws from November 9th to the current day, November 15th. 
Uh, we got uh, Channel Your Grandiose Impulses, Transcending Tribalism, Ascend the Mountain, Break the Codes of Convention, Suffer Fools Gladly, Project Saintlessness, or Saintliness, sorry. And the final one is Adopt a Generous Spirit. Those are the Daily Laws by Robert Greene. Almost concluded with the book as we're approaching the end of the year. Very excited. This book has been an incredible daily reminder for myself on how to better myself, strengthen my mind, strengthen myself, um, and be better prepared for life's challenges. So I highly recommend it to anybody. Um, very quick read every day. It doesn't take much long and apply that shit. Um, journal about it, you know. Pay attention to the things that it's relevant to because it's all over us. So, all right, that's uh, episode 203, True Reviews Podcast. I will be back.